Hello, everybody. Episode 12. We are coming at you, um, bringing mom back this time, actually. We wanted to just kind of level set with everybody listening. I know we've been uh, in more than 12 weeks now that we've released the podcast, and um, with all the response, we're just so excited about how things have been going, uh, all, the, all the things we're actually learning alongside all of you. And what we wanted to do this time around was just kind of summarize um, the, the help on the side of loved ones. We've talked a lot about resources through Chris's story for people that are struggling, and we've gotten some great advice and great additional resources from some professionals uh, that have been on the line. But what we, we feel like we needed to kind of hone in on a bit more was um, really talking through family resources, the way uh, that my mom has approached helping others that we're doing behind the scenes. And I think you'll hear me say that a couple times in the episode, but uh, what's happening behind the scenes is really great. There's a ton going on, and because of the nature of this disease and this topic, uh, you're not really going to see that very um, clearly uh, just by listening to the podcast. We're not in the business of broadcasting people's stories. They are very personal. Um, We're trying to shed as much light as we can through the storytelling we're doing, but um, we do want you to just be aware that a lot is happening. And for those of you listening that are uh, worried about reaching out or nervous or not sure what to do next, we hope this episode helps you um, bring a bit more perspective from mom's story and what she went through. We go back a little bit uh, to what she went through with Chris and her realizations and his admissions and how that all relates to uh, the advice she's giving to families now. But um, we, we also just wanted to kind of walk you through uh, some of what she's seeing. And then, you know, for, for us as people, what we're continuing to learn. Um, so we hope, we hope you enjoy this kind of quick summary recap. And um, we encourage you again, um, and we'll continue to say this, but if, if you need to reach out, if you're feeling um, any sort of way about this disease and, and wanting to uh, get into um, a great family of people uh, that have knowledge of this disease and can help guide you forward. Um, again and always, we're here for you. So, Mom, thanks again for joining, coming back with us. We know it won't be the last time. Uh, love you guys. Uh, hope you enjoy the episode. And until next time. Good to see you and be back again. Great to have you back. And it's so good to see your face. Although the listeners won't see us, we are looking face to face in our COVID world. Um, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm a little tired of the heat, but and COVID, but doing well. How are you doing? I'm great. We carry on. We we are adapting to the new normal and moving forward as best we can. Every day. It's a good message in this, in this uh, podcast. Yes. It's important to carry on and keep going. Absolutely. So today uh, we wanted to do kind of a unique just check-in, I guess, if for lack of a better term. Uh, we've, we launched the podcast over 12 weeks ago now, which is nuts. Amazing. Uh, we've had just incredible response and you, uh, as we mentioned in your episode, played a huge role in Chris's story and the way we have learned about this whole thing. And I just wanted to check in and, and see what you're thinking about um, as you've paid attention and 
as your episode was released and uh, as your network uh, is learning about this podcast and this disease through what we're trying to do. Any just initial reactions to how things have gone? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm blown away uh, by the whole thing and, and the response from people that I know and don't know. And it, it's been an amazing thing. Um, I, I'm really happy that we're able to help people out. And um, there's such a need out there. There's still such a need. We knew it. And, and I, it's just like, I've been wanting to scream this from the rooftops for a long time about this pandemic. And um, it's just, it's almost like we can't do enough quick enough and we need an army of people to help. But I guess this is, this is how we have to start. So yeah, the, the response has been great. We know for sure how many people are tuning in. It's thousands. It's so exciting. Um, and, and that doesn't change the fact that though overnight, this thing is not going to become something that we talk about on the street, right? Casually. <laughs> I think uh, this is still going to be a topic for a while, at least, that we all kind of keep a bit more behind closed doors. And one of the reasons I wanted to get you back on is, um, and we mentioned this in the, your episode, but uh, you do a lot of work with uh, families behind the scenes. You have been doing that. That's not anything new to you. Um, and I do feel like the response from people behind closed doors has been very interesting. And we expected some of that, just knowing that this, again, doesn't come out of the gate as something that's just like, oh, now that we know more and now that there's a podcast, we talk about it. But I think you're doing some great stuff. And so I would love to know, and I think for the, the people listening, it's important that you all know that we are getting a response behind the scenes that no one's ever going to see. That's mostly by design. Um, and that's also just because people's stories are private and personal to them. Uh, and I don't see a world where we're going to get to the point that everyone's story is on full blast for everyone to hear and, and see and feel and be able to engage with. But hopefully we'll get somewhere in the middle. Uh, but mom, I would love for you to just share a bit of insight on the, the way you approach, you know, helping families, because I think a lot of what people are eager for and listening to this podcast is what do I do when I get to the point that I have somebody that I need to potentially approach, um, that I'm not sure how to approach that. I don't know what to do with and is, is clearly struggling. Talk a little bit about the work that you've been doing before the podcast and then kind of how you've seen that, you know, grow since, uh, since we kicked this thing off. You know, I, a lot of times I will get a call from either you or Chris or another friend that knows we've been going through it. I have a friend that has a friend that has a son that has a daughter that has a mom that has, is going through difficulty. We don't know what to do, you know, and all I have to offer is a listening ear, some advice of what I've been through. I'm not a licensed counselor. I do have a degree in social rehabilitation and, and uh, a minor in psychology. So I have some insight through that. But I do know that people are lonely and they're scared and they're hard. They just, they need some information. So if I can just be a listening ear and, and give them some type of comfort and hope, that is basically my goal. Yeah. I start with 
someone will either introduce me through a text or give my phone number out or, you know, and in, I'm, I, the very first thing I do before I get on that phone or that text is I pray to God that he gives me the wisdom and the words to help heal, help bring some healing to a family in, in however form that can be. Because this is, this is a subject that it, it's, you know, just before you and I get on, and I, I know you had started a book from your own perspective, I had started a book, and I went back to start reading some of that, and I, I had forgotten how much pain I had gotten through. And I think one of the things that's important for people to hear is that we always joke about, we're laughing, we're, you know, joking with each other and stuff. But the pain is real. And the reason we have the ability to laugh is because we have been, we've gotten through the other side and we have found joy again yeah. with a, a fully functioning, sober son, brother. And, and there, is, there is joy on the other side of it. And that's the message I want to bring. Now, that being said, usually um, it's been a, a phone call. Yeah. Starting with a text, a phone call. And then it's usually the mom. I've had a couple of times I've had the dads. Lately for this, through this podcast, you and I have had the opportunity to, to uh, meet with a wonderful, uh, over the phone with a wonderful family in Michigan. Don't know them. Yep. And uh, through that came another family in Michigan. Yep. Fabulous family. And that was a Zoom call. That was my first face-to-face with somebody yeah. right from the get-go. You know, I, I really enjoyed it because, um, I, I don't know, it just it, it, it helped me yeah. to yeah. see their pain even more. And, um, but it's an interesting dynamic when you get a mom and a dad together. Um, you see the pain directly. You can see the, the roles that, that each member in a family play in this addiction dance if you will yep. you know it's it's an all-consuming dance and and everybody sees it somewhat a little differently depending on their personality their role in their home in their financial status how much the person has hurt them there's so many things that contribute to uh, a family going through addiction yeah and i think we've done a great job i think of talking about all the ways that we've seen this disease from different angles. And one of the things we always bring up for the struggling um, or substance user is, is this fact that there's this great network, right? There, that Chris and his network and everybody that goes along with that is the way to go. Or if you have somebody that's struggling now, we always encourage, like, let's get them in touch with somebody that's within Chris's world because they can relate to that person. We as family members, most of the time, in most cases, can't relate to the struggling person. But what we haven't talked a ton about, we've touched on it, is the resources and the same style network for family members and loved ones of those struggling. And it's just as important. And I wanted to spend today just talking about this side of it, because a lot of the people listening are loved ones. And I think the number one question, I know the number one question we're getting out of this podcast, 
that seems to be resonating, but it's still that kind of uncertainty and discomfort and all that is what do I do? How do I approach somebody? What's my next step? And I think before we get to all of that, our very first piece of advice is let us help you think through that because every person's story is different. Every loved one has a different dynamic with the person in their family or their friend or their neighbor that they are interested in approaching. And I just, I know that we've kind of touched on this here and there, but I did think it was very important to, uh, to bring this back up, to, to kind of rein it in because we, we haven't really gone there um, in depth about the family resources and, you know, Mark on, on his podcast, thank you for asking, thanks for asking. And um, in our conversations and getting to know him and the team up in New Hampshire, uh, same type of a thing. The, the goal here is to also give resources to family, not just tap into education and resources for the one that is addicted or a substance user. So thank you for that context. What I want to kind of go back and do just, you know, briefly for those listening is, is channel back into your story. You've been through it. We heard your story with Chris. There's a lot of layers to it, but I would love for you to share, um, you know, now that you're talking to so many people and you've had the experience of reliving it through these stories, let's go back to the very beginning um, when you learned about Chris and you were taking this on on your own. We've talked about the way you approached it, which was you didn't really have many resources that were just at your disposal. Um, right. You went about it alone. Now knowing we have this network, what what are what are key moments for you? Let's start there. What are key moments for you and Chris's story that changed the game for you? One, two, three, ten, whatever you want to share as somebody that's been through it. What what are your what are your key moments that changed the game? We talked about when uh, in in the first podcast when we finally kicked him out and and I held strong. That was a big moment. That was very that gave me strength as hard as it was we needed to stop making him comfortable. I needed to stop enabling. And so that was a big moment for me to, to lead that charge and to follow through with it. Significant moments. There's two that come directly to mind that I wasn't able to share in the last one. One was Chris had already been to rehab and I was, you know, they're saying when he came back, 90, 90, meetings and 90 days and all that and you know of course we weren't letting him drive and all that and and i was taking him to his meetings wherever he chose they were going to go and this one particular night i guess he i didn't realize he was he was using and and uh you know so he was going to the meeting for me not for him um but we were just playing this dance i would drive him and you know and then pick him up or sometimes go to a meeting with him. That's a, that is an op, this is a little segue, but when your loved one does come out of rehab, there are meetings that you can go and, and, and watch. There are private ones and then there are ones you can go. And I think it's a really valuable lesson to sit and listen to all of the different people that this disease is affecting and in that room. And of course, everything is confidential. Um, I would hope everybody would respect that. Um, but this one particular night, I, nobody, again, nobody was home and uh, it was Chris and I, and I, I drove him, I don't know, 20 minutes to a meeting and we almost got that there. 
and he started getting very angry and agitated and started hitting his head on the windshield and hitting his head on his fists on the dashboard and smashing his head against the window and screaming. And I had to pull over and say, what is going on? And he's like, I'm not going to go to the meeting. I, I don't clearly even remember what he said. I just knew I had to turn the car around and get home because I was afraid he's going to jump out on the highway. Like it was that bad. And I just in, instinctively knew something was really wrong and that he was probably using again. I don't know if I wanted to even go there, but I had been dealing with all of this and, and you know, hoping and, and keeping this all in. And we got back to the house and we lived on a, on a very wooded kind of lot, a good sized lot and had a lot of bushes around it. But he got out, don't know where he went. I literally went down the walkway fell to my knees and screamed at the top of my lungs for God to help me, for God to help Chris, please, please take him. I can't do this, God. Help me figure out what to do. Because I was at my wit's end at that one moment. I had, you know, probably for months been holding it all in. And this was just a moment that I was able to let it go. And I suddenly felt the, I was literally on my hands and knees on the cement, sobbing. And I felt these big hands and these big gentle arms just pick me up and turn me around. And it was Chris and he said, mom, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Mm. I love you. Let's go inside. Mm. And this was right after he had just had a nutty fit. So we went in and listened to this one thing together uh, on this pastor that I had heard this message with. And then I asked Chris to go out and I was just still exhausted. So I asked Chris to go out and do some work in the pool. It was dark out. And he said, um, Mom, I need to go get some cigarettes. And, and, you know, can you take me to get cigarettes? And I said, yes, but you can drive because I can't see because my eyes are so swollen from crying. So we went down the street and all of a sudden, this massive feeling of peace just overwhelmed me. And I clearly heard God say, I've got this Liz. He's going to be okay. Don't worry. And I remember putting my feet up on the dashboard and I remember looking over to Chris. And of course, he doesn't have any idea what's going on in my mind. I'm just, you know, he's describing we're going a mile away. And I said, my, I said, Chris, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay because God just told me you're going to be okay and that he has you. Yeah. And I'm going to, I don't know when that is. I don't know what the timing is, but I'm giving that up. And he kind of looked at me and he smiled and he said, that's so cool, mom. Yeah. So that was that one story. I never let that moment go. And that was two rehabs before, before the next two rehabs and all the rest of the stories. But I never let that moment go because I did have that spiritual connection um, of prayer. It's very important. I totally believe in it. Um, the, the other story I would have to say to add to that was going to the third rehab when I was pulling up in Texas. We had gone from detox five o'clock in the morning from Raleigh to a plane in Chicago to a plane from Chicago to San Antonio, and then an hour ride up to this section of Texas. and. I, we were talking and he was kind of coming, he's starting to come down from the medication they gave him and he was still kind of detoxing a little bit. 
and I, he was getting agitated and we were going up and I said, Chris, we're almost there. And I said, um, I want to have a conversation with you. I don't want to have it on the phone 1200 miles away. I want to say it face to face right now. I said, I can't do this for you. I can't. I said, you are the only one that can do this. You know we love you. You know how strong your family is. You've got to do this. I said, you've got three choices. You can live a great sober life, or you can go to prison. And I will, I refuse to talk about the third option, as I said in the last podcast. Yep. And we climbed the hill up the driveway, and in silence, all of a sudden, I felt his big, beautiful hand just grab my hand off the steering wheel, and he squeezed it. Yeah. He said, Mom, I love you. I've got this. I've got this this time. Thanks for help saving my life. Amazing. And those two moments have, and and I believed him. And he called me after I left. I had the tour of the facility. And I, you know, when I was going through the detox, he'd already been in the bed. And, you know, we had already said our goodbyes. And I went home and, and he called me and he said, the people at the administration said, you didn't leave crying this time. Hmm. And I said, no, I didn't. And he said, why? And I said, it's not, it's not because I'm, I'm not sad that I'm not going to see you for a while, but I'm truly at peace yeah. that you have found your, this is, this is your new beginning. This is where you're going to hit your reset button yeah. and start your life again. And I really felt it and I believed it and I kept praying and it happened. Yeah. And then yes. you turned, I, I think, you know, from what I know of you and you and I are similar in this, right? But it's really hard. And we've talked about this before to, to let go. And a lot of people listening, I would assume are probably if they're dealing with something and it's in early stages or they're not sure what to do, I can very easily imagine that it's hard to hear this because they might not have hope. They might not feel the relief that you did at that point in your story, but Talk about what was different in those moments, because I think part of our message to loved ones is you do have to get to a point of letting go. There are steps that you need to take to get there. Um, but ultimately, the goal as a loved one is to be able to release and let it let it be in the hands of um, higher power, God, whatever you believe in and the loved one that is struggling. It's up to them. And so a lot of what you do with families, and correct me if I'm wrong, is getting them to the point, motivating them, empowering them to work on themselves. And along with that comes the message of delivery to the loved one, and then taking the necessary steps to get them help. But a huge part of the foundation of all of that is looking inward and finding the strength in yourself to be able to finally get to the point to let go. Is that correct? Yes. And, you know, the other thing you, you think about that we we're trying to speed up time for all of these families and it doesn't always happen. But with with what we've gone through, we're trying to speed up the process to help them understand a one of the one of the biggest things I help. I try to help them understand is their loved one is not a bad person. Your loved one is a, a person that is stuck in a bad situation 
and they're trying to scream, their, their body is screaming, their mind is screaming, help. And they may do that in a, a nasty and awful way. And, and to, to help them understand that their loved one is, is indeed still that person that they loved trapped in a, in a, a body. They don't get that message because all we talked before in the podcast says what we always thought of what a drug addict was. Mm -hmm. And it is their loved one and their loved one is in there. And that's why I'm saying, you know, don't ever give up until you can get that loved one back out of that addicted body. Yeah. And it is possible, you know? Um, yes. And it is, you know, faith, what, however you do your faith, it's, it's so important. And throughout my whole life, I can tell you many times God has answered prayers, not just through this, but I do feel that God is so very necessary to the, whatever the higher power is to the addict, they will be the first one to tell you their higher power when you let it go. Yeah. We're asking addicts to let it go to their higher power. That's one of the steps. We as parents and family and loved ones need to let it go to our higher power. It's funny, I never really thought about it until just now. Yeah. Not, you know, conversation about it. Yeah. Um, that, that is my mind, my body, my spirit had to just, I had to let that go. And I think that's, it's a really tall task as a human being, because we don't, uh, in general, as human beings, we don't spend enough time on ourselves. And really what we're asking both the loved one uh, and the, the family and friends and the people surrounding them to do is let go. You're right. Let it go. That, that's, and and it's, it sounds a lot easier than it is, but that's the goal, right? And um, and the way to approach that is by every individual human working on themselves and by working on yourself, educating yourself, giving yourself time with your spirit and your spirituality, understanding what you as a person have been through, what might be lending itself to your fears and your concerns and the way you're approaching things um, and doing the work on you in order for the rest of people around you to get better. And that includes the loved one that's struggling. And I, I didn't really ever see it that simply until recently, actually going through this podcast, I'm doing a lot of work on myself now because right. my approach way back when, and, you know, granted, I'm, you know, early, like early twenties, but I, I always took burdens on for other people and my way of helping Chris, knowing that I couldn't engage with this, my way of helping Chris was just learning about addiction and about recovery. I never looked inward. And so when we talk about family members dealing with themselves going through recovery, I, I actually not until recently did I reflect on what I was carrying personally and start to go through my own part of the recovery as a, as a family member of someone recovered um, or recovered? And I, I think it's as quickly as you can look inward and start to reflect on yourself, 
through some of the tools that we've shared and then through these discussions that we're encouraging, that's how you're going to get there. And it does not happen overnight, but it's, it's this whole story is about your own journey and who you are and how you're responding to things and what you're learning and all of that. Um, and I think that's, it, it's hard because, because we're saying go deep, go inward. Um, and, and that's where you're going to find, you know, your own peace or hope as, as you found. From your perspective, you know, as you're trying to guide families through those things that you just talked about, what are some of the things that come up, right? If, if somebody's listening right now and they're planning to call you or they're too scared to call you or, you know, they're trying to figure out what to do, um, what are some of the common, common trends that you see when you talk to loved ones uh, via phone, via Zoom? Um, is there a general kind of common sense of fear, uncertainty? Like what, what's the general nature of, of people as they approach you generally, if, if there's an answer to that? Absolute fear, hopeless, uh, guilt, all of, the, all of the negative things that bring us down as human beings. The lack of ability to help your child or your loved one, your spouse, whatever. I mean, it's kind of like I was thinking about when I was reading my notes on Chris, like when he first, when he first told me he was becoming an addict and I wrote in my, my diary there that it's like when you, when he fell out of the tree and he broke his arm or he got the bat in the face and he had needed stitches or whatever that was when, like whenever your loved one hurts, you run them to the emergency ward help and they get help i'm like where do i like i want to help them where do i go to get help and this is this is what every family member is feeling when they talk to me and and you know i don't quite always get to the i can say you need to help yourself but they're looking for me for quick answers yep. and quick resources and a lot of times i'll spend an hour or two on the phone Sometimes I may not hear, hear from them again. Most of the time I do. Um, we stay in touch with texts. You know, there are people that go right in programs and they get great help. And then there are other ones that go in and they, they're good. And then, you know, unfortunately the disease is that sometimes it, it's a longer journey than you want. Yeah. But the journey is their story. It's our story. And our story is going to be what the important thing is at the end of the day when we go to help somebody else. And, and one of the things I think that is, that I'm just thinking also is, you know, the addict, we said they need their higher power. We need our higher power. What helps me, just like one of the secrets, the biggest secret is the last step. Now go and help somebody else. You go and you help somebody else likely you're going to stay sober because you get a high from from helping somebody else i get that high from helping people that need help yeah. and that's always been my personality i'm an empath so you know i don't know but i do know that some of the other moms that, that we've helped along the way had very long journeys i think our first guidance would be 
try and get in touch with us, right? Like try as a family member, try and get in touch, just like we would give as advice for somebody struggling to be put in touch with somebody who has struggled and recovered. Yep. Also give the same guidance to family members. Don't try to do this on your own. You don't yeah. know this disease well enough to do it on your own. So overwhelmingly so reach out to us. That's yep. what we're here for. I'm reiterating that today mainly because a lot of people have, but you, you're yes. not going to see that, but listen to this podcast because it is private. So that's, that's another huge point for today, but reach out to us as our first guidance. And, and what do you say, uh, mom, for when, when you do have these conversations again, how is it clicking? Um, is there guidance that you can give on what to expect from the conversation that you would have more than what you've provided earlier? I give families pointers from things that I have learned that work. So things I've learned, things that I have had to learn about myself, things we've shared as a family, but also I'm trying to meet them where their grief is mm -hmm. and then trying to ease them where, you know, into an understanding of addiction. Many people don't understand addiction. Mm -hmm. I didn't. And, and it's a lot simpler than what people make it. Yeah. And they, and they, they put so many bad faces to it and yeah. it's really, it is what it is. You know, let's just fix it. Right. It is what it is. And most of the, most of the difficulties as was in our house was enabling. Yeah. I think, you know, I, can, I believe John said this in his episode, but there's a point in, in his recovery story that he said, I just had to stop, stop doing what I thought was right and, and listen to the direction of others. And that's very much the case in this world of addiction and recovery is we keep talking about the network and there's a reason we keep talking about the network and you'll, you'll realize the network if you open yourself up to it, but it, it comes down to trusting the fact that people have been through this. I think that's in any story, right? Anybody that's been through anything that has a success to share, it's like, pay attention to that. It, yeah. Don't, don't feel the need to try and question it. And don't, don't feel like you have to kind of struggle through trying to figure it out. That's why we as resources and people that have been through it are here. That's the whole purpose of us doing a podcast in general. Um, and to your point that just like the, the 12 steps of recovery, the, the very final stage of that is helping others. And that goes along with family as well. And, and once you've gone through it, you know, more than anybody that it's super rewarding. And, and as a person, I'm sure it fulfills you, um, as an active service overall, right? It's like, you, you're not just doing it to check the box. You're doing it because you know where you were and where you've come. And the fact that you have the knowledge that you can share to the next person. And that just happens to maybe for some not come from, you know, an education book as it normally would. Um, in this case, it happens to be other people that have the knowledge, which is actually really cool if you think about it. Um, yeah. But I think it was Johnny that said, you know, I just had to start listening to the direction of others. Um, and, and I thought that was, that was really simple and cool to hear. And the, the one thing I will say about, you know, the resources for families um, now is in, in John Udis's episode, who's, you know, the, the director um, at Addiction Recovery Services in New Hampshire, he shared the great resources that he recommends um, for 
specifically for loved ones of those struggling. And I, and those are posted to our website, fadedpodcast.com. They're also right. on our social channels. That would be a great starting point. If you're completely confused, you prefer to keep your own story behind closed doors, maybe not quite ready to reach out to us. That's okay. Start somewhere. Right. And, and those resources, I think without the guidance of a formal program are really great. And they're, they're specifically built for the scenario that you are in. So they're, they're, they're curated to speak to different types of people based on where they are um, in their own recovery or in the recovery of their loved ones or themselves. So I think that would be a great starting point. What else is kind of common for what you're hearing or, or the way that you're kind of approaching loved ones? And just any other advice, I guess, that you would normally give to somebody um, that you're speaking to. Um, I know that you've mentioned um, it starts with meeting them where they are, which I love potentially and hopefully getting them some advice on where to send a loved one if they need guidance there. But, you know, is there anything else top of mind that is helpful um, or that you feel really resonates with people when you're chatting with them? Yes. It's, it's once you start sharing, and I would say these are intimate family moments in, in an ugly kind of a way, but um, you kind of, you create a bond that somebody's willing to listen. Yep. And somebody's, you know, and there's, there are a lot of people out there that will listen, but to, but to understand it, and I try to get them to read as much as they can, talk to, go out and look for resources, listen to podca the podcast, you know, talk to doctors, talk, do whatever, but don't don't be afraid to to have a conversation about it. And, and and I try to encourage husbands and wives to not be angry with one with one another and kind of like get into your get into your addict's head and realize that it's the addict you're talking to, not your child, mm -hmm. or not your husband or wife or whatever, you know. Try to see them in a different light. And that's really kind of amazing. Like once you, I have found that's probably the, the most healing thing. I, I may get an hour or two on a, uh, with our first conversation, but a lot of times I will get, many times I get feedback and say, I didn't see it. I didn't think of seeing it that way. So I'm trying to help them think through it past their emotions yeah, and through their limited knowledge of what might be going on. Right. You know, um, again, trying to speed up the process. It's hard. Some of these, some of these, I've had two conversations in the last couple of months with sisters that have sisters that have, um, are in bad places and their chain of love is very thin. There's only a few links left and sometimes it's just the sister. Yeah. And because of the age, it's hard. Because of the distance, it's hard. And I always say never, ever, ever give up hope until the last breath is gone, that person can be saved. Some are more difficult than others, but you can only do what you can do. And you've got to, you know, your loved one may never get out of this, out of this hell they're in. 
But if everybody else has given up and you're the one that is still trying or still calling and still trying to give that honest, gentle love, God bless you because it's a lonely disease. And it, in the end of the day, when it, if, if it ends up that that person goes and dies, you know in your heart, you tried, you tried, you know? Um, and you don't have to forgive yourself then because you've done it. Right. And you I think know? it's, it's interesting. Like that's where the focus, uh, or, or introduce self care and self love and self awareness really comes into play because you do, we, we talked about this in, in one of the episodes as well is you do have to get to a point where you accept that it's going to be likely one or the other, and it, there's never a guarantee. Uh, and so that's why building yourself up to uh, feel good about the way that you're educating yourself, that you're learning, that you're engaging um, with this the right way, um, then to your point, the outcome will become what it is. And hopefully you have somebody that um, recovers, but it's not guaranteed. And so, um, but there's not anything else you can do other than, other than that and what we've guided people on. Um, and I think that's the hardest part about it. Um, and it's certainly the hardest to accept from what I, I've heard from, you know, stories that I've heard lately is just, it, it, there's always that kind of underlying, I understand that, but what if I tried this? What if I try that? Right. And we're like, right. You, you, like you, you can't, right. You cannot do it. That has to be them, but you can guide them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know, you can plant the seeds. Yep. And sometimes it might take a whole farm of seeds, but it's still in the end, it works. Yep. Do it. Right. You know, but you need to go on and live your own life and try to find happiness while you're planting these seeds of this journey. Right. And, and who knows? I mean, Chris has took what, three years from the minute we started? Mm -hmm. You know, but you can never, ever give up hope. Never, ever, never give up. <laughs> Never, give up. Never give up. What would you do going back to the start of Chris's, um, you know, admission to you about his addiction? Now that you know all of this, what, how would you approach it if you were to give yourself advice? You're welcome Ooh, for that question. Yeah. <laughs> so knowing what I know now, knowing what you know now. Interestingly enough, the first day when I found out and then I got into that council right away, I have to pat myself on the back for yeah. that. Hey, I, I think everyone will. <laughs> I, I didn't have any answers. Somebody in this office is going to answer this. And uh, so, um, I would, oh, yeah, I don't know. You know, the journey is important for the person to go through. So I don't know. Like, I would like to say I would have sped it up by going directly to Texas to that one facility that had dual diagnosis and all this, the sober living and the whole thing. And that's what I say to people. Yeah. I actually say to people, I've got this great facility. If you have the insurance money or whatever, these are things that work. But it's in God's time. It's in the higher power's time, not ours. And the journey is a journey for a reason. It teaches us. It brings us together as a family. It breaks us apart. It brings us back together. We talk about it. We learn. It becomes an education. 
and, and along the way, there are all these players that come into your life that are like, think of all the people. Think of Reed with Chris and think of like all the people that have come into his life that it's, it's kind of like a little Pied Piper thing. Yeah. You know, it, there starts, it starts as a snowball going down a hill and you're like, oh my gosh, it's getting out of control. But there's also things that are coming through that, that are gathering into this story that end up becoming wonderful things in your life, yeah. wonderful people, you know? So if he hadn't gone to the first one and the second one, there's the chances that the message that we got through the 12 steps and how this one person read, God bless you, I love you, taught these, these young men. It's just, I, I don't know if I could say I would want to do it differently. Yeah. Interesting. Is that that an interesting answer? It is. I think, you know, the, the only caveat or the only kind of devil's advocate I would play to that is if you had someone that you probably knew that was like, a, oh, maybe, maybe that would have, oh. maybe yeah. that would have helped you at least personally, because you tend to take a lot on your shoulders. And I think you're not the norm in that case. Um, so that's, I mean, I actually really like your answer because you're right. It is about the journey. I think if, if more resources were more known, maybe that could have changed things. Well, right. And I do have to say, um, once Chris went into the first, once I got him in, I got him in very quickly into the first rehab. During that time, I had a golfing girlfriend that had a husband that was sober for many years. I didn't even know it. She never talked about it. And I shared with her, um, I thought maybe he didn't drink. So I, I never saw him drink. So I asked her and she said, yeah, he's, he's sober. And I said, can I ask you some questions about the 12 steps and the whole thing? So I did. I found somebody that went through the program because I was like, Bleh! I didn't have any information. You know, um, what was your life like? What did you go through? How were you scared? Um, you know, what did your children think? Um, and she was such a godsend of a friend. Yeah. So it is really important. I mean, just one person, one person can make you feel better. Right. So if somebody doesn't come to you, kind of figure out who might be able to be that one person just to start the conversation. Right. Because you can get mad, mad in your, in your own mind. Yeah. Mad like crazy mind. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you just like, just like you and I just sitting here, just having a conversation. Yeah. We, we still discover things yeah. about our journey through conversation. And it's not as scary when you share it. Right. With also, I, would, I would feel very confident saying that anybody that's been through this will, will not be alarmed or bothered or worried about somebody reaching out for help because we, we know what that takes and we know what that means to you. Uh, and so for anybody listening that might be nervous to reach out for any reason or feel like, well, maybe my situation is small or, or whatnot. Um, please like find the courage to reach out because, uh, it's, it's all foreign, right? (laughs) Like it's, it's, it's not easy. Um, and it's not 
from what I'm learning, at least it's not meant to be done alone. And I think, you know, we've, we've certainly every day we, we meet new people that have gone through it or meet new people that have recovered from it. Um, and that's family and that's loved ones and, and everything to go along with it. What another thing I would love to know from you is just what was the moment that you finally felt at peace with the fact that he had recovered? <laughs> that does take some time. Right. Because fool me once, fool me twice, don't fool me a third time. <laughs> it's like you have hope. And I tend to be a really optimistic person, as you probably can see. Um, but there's always that fear that if something is going to go wrong again. Yep. And I hear that. And you have no control over it. Mm -hmm. um, Chris said to me one time after he got back from Texas, said, Mom, by the way, if you see me reach for a beer, don't. You can't do anything about it. Don't try to stop me. Yeah. So I, you know, it's my issue. Um, I, I hope I don't do it. But if, I, if you do, it's going to happen. If I do, it's going to happen. And I know, but I want you to know that I know if I have one beer, I'll have six. If I have six beers, I'll take pills. And if I take pills, I will, I will shoot heroin. And I will probably die. So I want you to know, I know that. So it's my life. I've got it. I've got the tools. Um, it's basically, again, saying you can't fix it, mom. You know, but he's, I've never seen it. And, you know, I've, I'll tell you, I it was really, really bad as I get dreams sometimes. And dreams can be great and dreams can be boring. And I do have dreams that he relapses. And the very first thing I do in the morning is when I wake up and I'm in tears or sweating, I call Chris and say, hey. How you doing? Hey, mama, what are you doing? And I just, the minute I hear his voice, I'm like, okay. You know, but I think I, I think I kind of like went off the question there as I normally do, but. Yeah, no, it's okay. When the moment, the moment that I finally realized, um, I think it was the first time I saw him nine months after he went to Texas. Mm -hmm. I likened it to, you and I talk about it, I was like having a, a rebirth, yep. nine months, and uh, my little baby came back as a grown man, <laughs> clear-eyed, clear-headed, and handsome as all get out, and I kind of thought, and that was also the moment that we heard him speak yep. for the first time, and that that man was like, a preacher on fire. Mm -hmm. My ADD son, <laughs> who had struggled as, as a student, was up there at a podium with not even a note card for one hour, just spilling off what it was to do, what you need to do to get sober. And he was lit up on fire, so happy. And I said, okay, that's my moment. And the people that came out of that meeting, they kept going up to him and they said, I want that. I want that. I want that. People want to get sober. They don't want to live in that life, but their brain in their body chemistry is telling them they have to. Right. 
Right. They, need, they can't do it on their own, yeah. but they have to do it on their own. It's right. kind of double-edged sword. So that's why it's so important to figure out what they're going through and help them the best you can. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I love that you brought up the, the memory of him speaking because of course I remember that, but yeah. I was curious to know what your kind of aha moment was. And I remember that night and it was unbelievable. It's kind of similar to Megan and I had the experience that we talked about on her episode of hearing him at Robbie's funeral. And oh. that was the first time I had actually even heard him speak. I didn't know right. him speaking was even possible. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, and, and it was, it was dad, which was crazy. Yeah. I mean, our, my dad, who you guys will meet very soon is an unbelievable speaker. And to hear Chris and I, Megan and I kind of were thrown off, but it was the same that night um, when yeah. he had come back from Texas and you're right. It was this strange, very, very different situation. Um, it felt different. He looked different. Um, it was, it all came together and, and you know, we, I, we realize there's, there's always a chance that he could relapse, but again, it's not, um, that's not for us to worry about. It's just, it, it's, it's part of his journey and, um, he feels great. I know that I asked him that the other day, <laughs> um, but it's, well, it's still, it's crazy. You know, that one night, interestingly enough, they had to be what hundred somewhat people. Oh yeah. Yep. And you know, we were there to listen, you know, it was an open meeting, obviously, and that's why we could go. But you know, all everybody out there is saying, I don't know anybody that's going through this. We probably knew four or five people in that room that were in this program at this facility that he was speaking at that were going through the program. We had no idea. And they were like joyous to see us because they were like, hi, you're going through this too? <laughs> That one night, there was a couple we were helping, and um, I won't say who it was, but the dad was like a deer in headlights, sitting in the front row listening to Chris, because their son's journey had just started, yep. and he didn't know, they didn't know yep. what to do. Mm -hmm. And what is it, two years later, yep. they're just a joyous family like we are and you know and their son is just rock and roll guy i love him to death yeah knows. absolutely yeah. oh it, it's all great and i yeah. so i think to wrap up what i would love to yeah. do is let's do a fun little exercise here if okay. we were to um sum up our best advice in depth of somebody listening that has a loved one that is struggling and we were to know we're going to get them on the phone just after this call at a level that is as simple as possible. Let's see if we can align on what we would guide them to do. I'll go first. I feel like first step, you've realized you have a loved one that's struggling. Reach out to somebody, whether that is faded podcast, us directly on social media, somebody, you know, that's gone through it. You, as a loved one, reach out to someone and say it out loud. Yes. Do you agree with that? Yes. Great. Yes. And don't worry about the expectation of what that conversation is going to be. We do not care 
what your story is going to be. We want to help you. Right. I would say one, reach out. Yep. Two, by any means you have possible, find some resources or ask the person you're going to talk to what resources might be available. Right. Sound good? Yep. Okay. Three, I would say plan to find a plan for self love and self care. Mm -hmm. So give some space to whatever you're doing in the world around you. Work is not a, not that important at this at this point. If somebody's struggling, um, all of your distractions. Try to look inward and spend some time with you because it's probably going to be a journey. It is going to be a journey. It is going to be a journey. Um, and so look inward and be ready to take care of yourself. Uh, and then from there, I feel like steps are follow what the advice is that this person that you've reached out to is going to help you figure out. And that might look different from person to person. Um, based on your story, it's gonna be customized to you, um, but be ready to follow that, right? So it's reach out to someone, find some resources for yourself, be ready to look inward, and then listen. Right. Does that sound good? Yes, and I think in there has to be this one, thing because it, it is the common link in every single case. Understand what enabling is and stop doing it immediately yep. because enabling is disabling. Yep. There's like the worst thing you could do and it's every single story. Perfect. Yep. I love it. Yep. I think those are fairly easy steps to follow. And I think when you, when you look at the simplicity of that, it doesn't become so overwhelming to figure out what to do. Because a lot of what we're advising based on our story, based on our story, we always have to caveat with that, uh, is that there are people that are going to help you through it. So don't bring the extra burden on yourself to try and get through it on your own. Right. Yeah, the one other thing in parting, I, would, I forgot that I, I do start with is, you're not alone. Mm. You are not even close at all yep. being alone. Yep. And once you start reaching out to people that have been through it, you have a new family. Yeah. And a, and a family that understands one another. Absolutely. You don't have to be blood. You don't have to be in the same state. You don't even have to be in the same country. <laughs> I've actually helped somebody in Russia and Ireland. <laughs> you are doing some good work, mama. And I think, no, and that's the point of this whole episode, right? Is you're not alone. Uh, and this network that we talk about does not have to be limited to the struggling person. We, we right. want everyone to know that, again, these stories oftentimes happen behind closed doors because of the personal nature, but that does not mean they're not happening. And it does not mean that you as somebody that is wondering if you should reach out, shouldn't reach out because 
we are here. We keep saying that and we are serious about it, <laughs> that we're here to help you. So yeah. um, what else, Mama? Any other parting words? <laughs> um, just, I just like to do a shout out to um, the families that have lost loved ones to this disease. I know there's some that I know personally, too many. Um, a, I thank you for listening. B, I think that you've got so much to give. Yes. Um, and that what they've been through has been pure hell. And um, they have stories that one day need to be shared. When, when in anybody that might be ready, I would love to go there too. Let's do it. It does happen. I love that. And as a reminder to everyone listening, um, we're doing the best we can with people we know and the topics we have. And if you have any ideas of stories you'd like to share or people you know, please reach out to us. We want to keep busting this thing wide open. I keep saying that over and over again, but um, it's, it's as much as we all as um, a unified team um, and family can can share stories and um, kind of bring new perspectives um, that don't look similar to our story or our different topics that you guys are craving. If you have ideas, let us know. We're, this is as much your podcast as it is ours. And um, we're having a ton of fun um, with it. Uh, we know we have a, a long way to go. So um, to everyone that's been affected by this, thank you for listening. Um, and to those who are hopefully going to be renewed to reach out. We empower you to do so. Uh, Mama, thanks for joining us again, as always. No question. No question is, is off limits. And there's no stupid question at all. <laughs> you got to figure it. It's great to have been back on here, guys. Um, oh, God bless everyone out there. I know the pandemic, it's hard with people that have uh, addiction. And I'd like to just close by saying we all need to reach out and prayer for one another um, because addiction is one thing but then people losing jobs and family members going through some other difficult things on top of it you know you need to find some peaceful place everybody deserves peace absolutely wise words as always mama love you so much thank you thanks for what you do